Blog Talk Radio. Let's get lost in a better place. Pick up a book, travel through time and space. So much to learn, so much to see. A chance to escape reality. Open your mind and your heart. With a fresh new song MJ Network will bring you there So let's talk about it When life and on the air Good morning everybody, this is Fran Lewis This is MJ Network MJ in memory of my sister Marcia Joyce And this is going to be so cool Award-winning author Lee Matthew Goldberg is here, and we're going to talk about Immoral Origins, the book, in, first book in the Desire Card. What would you do if you could have anything you wanted at a price? Well, we're going to find out. Good morning. How you doing? And welcome back to MJ Network. This book is really cool. Thanks so much, Fran. I'm glad to be here. So tell us, the prologue sets the stage for what happens. Why did you get involved, and how does the prologue help move us ahead? Um, so I, I I like a good prologue, especially with the thriller. Um, it kind of sets mm-hmm. up almost something sinister that then the book leads up to. Um, so our, our lead guy, Jake, finds himself in a very precarious position in the beginning, and then the book basically becomes the story of how he wound up in that position. Well, it's scary, let me tell you. So I have to ask this question because mm-hmm. I have it written down just now. The cool part is, I mean, for those people that watch old movies, and mm-hmm. like my mother did, they're older than me, but whatever, how come you chose the names of famous old uh, actors and actresses, especially Clark Gable, Marilyn Monroe? How did you decide on that as the names of the characters? Because that was so cool. Oh, thank you. Um, so, yeah, the, the the premise is all the books center around this organization called the Desire Card, and they promise yeah. any wish fulfilled for the right price. Um, and basically, it's, it's really like a glorified hitman operation. Um, so when I was thinking about, you know, all these characters, and I knew it was going to be a, a series and there would be a lot of them, um, it was kind of a cheating way that you would instantly know what they all looked like. There would be so many of them. So to have an operative Marilyn Monroe and the leader is Clark Gable, um, instantly you know what they look like. So I felt it would just be a good way to separate them apart. And, um, you know, I I grew up um, as a lover of old films. My dad was a huge movie buff. Um, So it was kind of a nod to that. And it lent itself a little bit of like a noir quality that I wanted for the series. Um, And each operative really kind of connects to the – the mask of the old Hollywood individual that they wear. So, you know, the Marilyn Monroe character has shades of Marilyn Monroe. The Errol Flynn character has shades of Errol Flynn, Clark Gable. Um, so it was a fun way to kind of rewatch all these movies and create these characters based on these you know, larger-than-life personas. I would love to see the masks. That would be so cool. Yeah, Seriously. hopefully if this ever becomes like, you know, films or a TV series, um, you know, the masks look 
they're they're re- literally made to look exactly like the person. So it almost doesn't look like a mask. It looks mm. like their actual face. Um, so I'd, I'd really be curious to see how that would be done, like, on a screen, if, the, if that ever happens. That would be so cool, especially Clark Abel and Marilyn Monroe. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. Is I cool. mean, they have the, they have the biggest part, especially in the first book. That's what this is. Right. But <laughs> True. This, there was another one that I read that was called the Desire Card a long time ago. So yes. that when I got the thing, I said, "Oh my God, I got to change the questions and everything." I didn't realize right, right. it wasn't the same one. It's a good thing well, I keep so things on my own. I mean, I have I have no problem. So I, originally, I had a publisher that published that book, which now is the third book in the series. Um, and back then it was called The Desire Card, and things mm-hmm. did not work out with that publisher. Um, so then when I found a new one that wanted the whole series, um, it just made sense for that one to be the third book and not the first book anymore, that it just worked better to have an origin story as the first one. So the old mm-hmm. Desire Card book is now called All Sins Fulfilled. And, um, yeah, it was, it's hard to find those old copies anymore. They're not <laughs> They're not available. No, I know, and the one you sent me, my doctor got because his wife wanted to read it. Okay, well, maybe it'll all be my books. She's getting this one too, by the way. I can't go oh, okay, visit cool. him unless I can't go to his office. Well, I don't need to go there, but I I just go off and drop off books, and for that, when I need an appointment, I don't have to wait. I don't mm-hmm. even have to book an appointment. I could just walk in because she says she's okay, not yeah. coming without books. Yep. I mean, nobody's so, gonna say no to free books. That I bring fifty at a time. It's scary. Oh wow! Okay. Go yeah, by the time I go in three weeks, I should have about fifty. We, we, I've got a bag filled. Uh, so define the uh, title and how do you relate it to mm-hmm. the main character? Immoral origins. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. Thank you. It has a nice, I guess, like alliteration to it. Like the words just kind of flow together really well. Um, so that was how the title kind of came about. And it's really, you know, the the origin story of this moral organization and how mm. they start kind of immoral and then get more and more and more. And the same happens to um, the point of view of our main character, Jake Barnum, where he starts out, he's a petty thief and he steals hot coats in New York city in the seventies. So he's doing some things not so great, but he hasn't stepped up to like murder and, and things like that. So joining the organization Um, he basically loses his morals more and more throughout the book until they're pretty much gone completely. Sometimes it just pays. You just don't know. Seriously. Right. Yeah. It's more fun to don't think about it. (laughs) I like to think he's, at his heart, a good person. You know, he has a sick brother. In his mind, a lot of what he's doing is to help the brother and his family. And that's kind of the only way he knows how to do it. And, you know, he lives in Hell's Kitchen. It's the 1970s. It's a poor neighborhood at that time. Um, So there wasn't really upward mobility available to him. You know, a lot of his friends were, you know, petty thieves and and things like that. So it it was kind of always the path he was going to go down. He just took an even kind of more treacherous descent. Well, one of my favorite characters is Max. I liked him. So oh, who's Mac? I like some yeah. of these really bad characters. We're not that bad, and I felt bad for them. So we've got Max and Jack. And why does Max work for Georgie? Yeah, so Max is um, 
Jake's childhood friend. They grew up together in, in Hell's Kitchen, um, you know, from the late 50s, I guess, when they were born. Um, and Mag works for, like, a low-level thief, this, a low-level um, kind of mob organization, this guy Georgie. And, you know, their big thing is they'll they'll kind of follow these trucks with all these coats being delivered to, like, Macy's and Gimbel's and then hold the driver up and then take the coats and kind of leave. So it, it, was, it was, you know, like I said, like a, the start of a, a moral descent. Um that Jake kind of did. And again, in his mind, he was like, I'm just getting money to help my brother for the surgery mm. that he needs and, and all that. Um, but I think, you know, what he told himself, but he really was seduced by, you know, this sort of underbelly crime world that he was dipping his toe into. Um, and yeah, Mag, you know, Mag has a rough go in the book. I won't spoil anything, but um, no. <laughs> things are things don't turn out so great for Mag. Well, who's Cheryl? She comes into this. Cheryl is, yeah, Cheryl is um, Jake's girlfriend when we first meet him. And Mm. it's not a great relationship, and she really doesn't care about him that much. And, you know, she stays with him because he buys her nice tennis bracelets from Tiffany's. um, But she's cheating on him. So we meet Jake in kind of a, you know, like an unsettled position in his life. You know, he's in a relationship. He's not too keen. He's living with his parents still, even in his 20s. His brother's sick. He's working for this low-level mob boss. So it's very easy, I think, for somebody like the Gable character who runs the Desire Card organization to come in and kind of sweep him up and, you know, take him under his wing. Um, and Jason, you know, he's a naive guy. He's, he's a good person at heart, but he kind of, I think, trusts way too easily. Um, really to his detriment throughout the book. There's some interesting characters throughout the book, but you don't know who you could trust. That's the problem. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, you really can't trust many of them, you know. Um, and that's kind of a thread throughout the whole series, you know. Um, yeah. What, what I really enjoyed writing this series in each book is sort of through a different perspective of someone connected to this organization, so the desire card is really the kind of the through line. And then we meet all these other characters. Sometimes it's different eras of their life and how they're connected to um, the organization. Because after we leave this book, the rest of the books take place in more present time. So there's a big time jump to the second book. Um, and we see sort of the organization more from the inside um, as opposed to through like a newbie's eyes like Jake. I know it's scary. I read the the next one, vicious. That that was really whoa. That was different. You read vicious ripples. Yep, I did. Yeah, so that now is the fourth book in the series. Um, but mm. what also works about these books is they can really kind of be read in any order, in any way, shape, or form. Mm. You're just kind of seeing the organization in different lights. Um, so yeah, vicious ripples um, is kind of an overview of all the characters you've met in the first three books Mm -hmm. and how an incident, um, you know, basically Gable's granddaughter gets kidnapped and the fallout of that and how it affects everybody, you know, connected to the organization, Gable himself, as 
kind of people start to realize who he really is, his actual per, um, his actual identity. Um, so yeah, that's that, that that's a good one. I don't know. They're they're, they're all my favorite in different ways. Um, I just the latest one just came out, the fifth book in the series. So now that one's my favorite, and that fully ends this series. There will never be any more. This is five and done. Oh, five and. I think I read four. I didn't read number five yet. I didn't get number five. Yeah, yet. and then number two is Pray No More. So you might have not read that one either. That follows. Um, yeah. yeah, that that follows um, the character James Dean, who we meet briefly in the third book, um, mm-hmm. and he leaves the organization, and it's again an organization. Once you're in, you're in. So he's become hunted by the desire card. He has to become the hunter. Um, so that one, each one has sort of a different vibe to it. I would say the first one is more of like a crime noir. The second one is mm-hmm. more of an action thriller. The third is more of a literary book about the, the guy Harrison, his pursuit of getting a, a liver off the black market. Um, I, and that's the what last I read. One, that was the one you first read. Yeah, yeah. And then the last one... Veers a little bit into supernatural territory, so it, it has a bit yeah. of like a sci-fi um, that the other mm-hmm. ones really don't. But um, yeah, I, I I I just kind of took it in that direction. I like the one with the liver. It sort of carries. Yeah, on. that like was a good one. one. I mean, when I first started, I I didn't have the idea of it being a five book series, so it really was just going to be that book. Um, and in that mm-hmm. book, you you meet the Desire Card organization, but they're almost more of a supporting character in the book. The book is really about this guy who who has terrible liver cirrhosis and needs a liver yeah. and does anything in his power to get it. Um, and it, it's really a character study. And he's a horrible human being. He's one of the sort of most worst characters maybe I've ever written um, in terms of likability. Um, but he changes towards the end. You know, he realizes his the way he's been, you know, treating the world um, and his, um, you know, just belief that anything he wants he can get. He works on Wall Street. Um, But, yeah, then when I finished that book and I was thinking about it in a bigger way, um, all these other characters seemed like they had stories that needed to be told. So I started writing what now is book number two, um, and I wrote it as a script. And then when I finished the script, I was like, oh, it's a perfect outline. Let me just write it as a book. And then all the other ones kind of came after that um, in, in different ways. So, yeah, it was it was a weird way to write a five-book series, definitely. Um, but um, it seemed like it all came together in the end. Well, in my brain over here, the one I have mm-hmm. to find it, mm-hmm. <laughs> I just mm-hmm. sat and listened, and I said, you know, especially the one that you just described with the liver, there are people in the world that actually would go to those lengths to get what they want, and they have yeah. ways to do it. Yeah, yeah I mean, that I was where the idea of this really came out of. You know, the, the desire card, you know, proposes uh-huh. any wish fulfilled for the right price. That's their that's their motto. I love that. Um, and they're, you know, it's like the monkey's paw. There's, you know, people with a lot of money and a lot of influence in this world yeah. feel like whatever they want, they can get with the snap of their fingers. And the five book series is really like a direct hit to the kind of those people that, you know, all of them wind up falling. None of them sort of make it out. And, you know, the, the few remaining at the end of the series mm. are the few 
good ones that are really set to bring this organization down and rid mm. the world of this cancer for good. Um, so I, I, I think that this series really ends in, in a very, you know, important way to, to show that, you know, behavior and the way you treat people, and the way you, you know, handle your position in the world um, can't just be for yourself. You know, just listen to the news and you'll see how people treat people. It's horrible. Yeah, yeah. You know, the books were originally written um, sort of, uh, some of the books were written in sort of early 2010. So, like, the first one I wrote in, I think, 2012, 2013. And then as we got into, like, the Trump era, um, Uh they just became that much more, um, like, trying to think of the right word for this it, it it seemed like there were a lot of terrible people in the world that were similar to the villainous characters all of a sudden mm-hmm. you know that we had them in the news and they were doing terrible yeah. things so it actually helped shape the books even more because i had sort of a touchstone in the real world to kind of connect it to i mean you know not like the trump organization equals the desire card but there are shades that like you know veer over between the two that I definitely use in the later books to kind of bring them to some more of a light and also wanted to, you know, obviously this shows my political beliefs, but also a way of, you know, my own way of bringing those type of people down, feeling very futile in, in, in our power to do so at that time. Mm. But in my writing, I felt very, you know, um, powerful to be able to do that. That makes sense. Well, I, I was asked recently, I'm going to tell you how mm. recently, to review a book that somebody wrote about him. And then mm. I was asked to read a book that he wrote, and they turned it down. There was one before that I didn't realize that the topic was his, why he was so great and all the rest of it, and we should read my review. <laughs> and I didn't write anything negative. I just wrote what I, you know, the truth. Sure, but I refused sure. to. I refused to to write read anything and then his daughter wrote one and I said that's nice. Um yeah. I won't read anything that I disagree with and I won't read anything that I have to put my name on that I totally disagree yeah, with. Yeah, so, I would be I would be exactly the same. No, it was more like I I began yeah. to use a a shade of him for the main villain in this series. So that the main villain yeah. Not became Trump, obviously he's very different, but that there were little qualities here and there that I kind of took, um, you know, just the way he like behaved, you know, and threw his like weight around. Not, he's got a lot not, of weight to throw around. I mean. Yeah, I yeah. didn't mean it in that. I, I wasn't making like a fat joke, but like, you know, that that he just had this like, you know, fuck everybody else. I'm I'm the best kind of like that mentality. I feel like I used for the Gable character, um, and and again, it just it just brought it. I, you know, I think such a great thing about fiction is when fiction connects the present times, and you you know see the world through the eyes of a you know a fictional character, and you know I, it it just worked better that that all of that was happening while I was writing it. You know, they kind of informed each other. Mm. I miss my uncle. My uncle had that kind of connection for the right oh, reasons. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. My uncle was in charge of um 
a lot of big organizations, and he was into presidents mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, judges and all sorts of stuff. Yeah. And when he was here, I wish he was here, um, he just had to say, you know, Uncle Al, can you do this, and it will get done. And I never mm-hmm. asked yeah. how he did it because I didn't really want to know. My father was the same way. Right. And right. the only thing is that when you do something for somebody like that, even Gable, you owe them mm-hmm. in the end, you can owe a favor. Yeah. And you better deliver. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's sort of Gable's M.O. You know, he's, yeah. he's getting whatever people want. So in his mind, there's a sense of, like, I'm fulfilling their deepest desires. But he's also yeah. collecting an army, basically. You know, these are people that, like a mob, mm-hmm. are in with him for life. And if he needs a favor he will get that favor from these people or he will, in his words, ice them um, completely. That's right. And, you know, I think a lot of people are seduced by his, his power, his charm, his connections, all of, all of these things. And, you know, I know there's probably not an organization like this that exists, but there it also probably, probably is. is. Yeah, like there oh, is something that exists on the black market or something like that, or not even the black market. It's like a very like in the know thing where you have a card and you contact that card for anything that you want. Um, and I would be surprised if that didn't exist in some form in, in these days. So it really was like a cool thing to kind of mine for, for a mm. series. And I, I always wanted to write a series, but I didn't want to follow, like, one character. Like, here's my mm-hmm. detective, and here's five books about that detective. This is an easier way of doing a series where you just kind of see it from different POVs each time and also challenge myself as a writer and, like, how to kind of create this this world that continues through different um, books. And, you know, I then was working on my other YA series as I was writing this, so that really... I, I learned a lot on kind of how to do that from from this series too, and um, I'm just right now we're actually on submission um, with a new series of mine. It just went out on Thursday. Send good energy. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a book set in a cult, and it has a little bit of a sci-fi kind of sprinkle to it. Um, and I've been working on these for literally 15 years, so. It's a massive, massive kind of series that I hope finds a really great audience. Well, you got me. That's for sure. I always, Fran, yes, I always appreciate that. (laughs) These you would like. These are really, like, twisted, but also quite literary and lyrical and, like, has a little bit of a different feel than some of my other work. Well, that's good because I won't tell you who number one um, mystery thriller writer I just finished his book yesterday. I read it in day, 400 pages. And yeah. And Why won't you that's tell what me I said it? when I finished reading it. I go, oh, God. Um, no, it wasn't that it was bad. It was just that it was a little far fetched. It was a uh, departure from the person that writes a series. And I just emailed yeah. his publicist and said, when the book comes out in 2023, I will post it. And that's all I okay. said. Yeah. 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 I, I, yeah. You know. It's kind of bad when it's somebody very famous, and I did it, and I said, mm-hmm. "How am I going to write this?" I wrote something positive, but I didn't exactly say it was wonderful. So let's yeah. get to my favorite yeah. character. Mm-hmm. Who is sure. Marilyn and Marilyn Monroe, and what happens mm-hmm. when a wish comes true? I love Marilyn mm-hmm. Monroe. There was just something yeah, special. Yeah, you about know, her. I mean, 
there's that new movie on Netflix now, so like I feel like Marilyn, you know, Monroe is in the news again. You know, what, what was really I think appealing to a lot of people about Marilyn Monroe is like the mystique about her. You know, her on-screen persona was very, very different than you know her mm-hmm. off-screen persona, and she lived in a time where like I think celebrity was really kind of taking off. So there, I, I, there obviously were celebrities before, but, you know, with paparazzi and everything. So there's like this new kind of dawn of wanting to know more about, you know, who these people were. And, you know, she really was somebody who mentally was dealing with a lot. You know, I think had she been around now, she probably would have had more help in, you know, mm-hmm. or different medications or just something. Yeah. I think she was kind of left by the wayside and, you know, just really like in a very cruel way treated by Hollywood. So the the character of Marilyn, you know, a lot of the operatives in the Desire Card, they choose their persona. So mm-hmm. the character of Marilyn really chooses because she sees the, that, that dichotomy in herself. She was, you know, um, from a very rough beginning came to New York, she was assaulted, her face was slashed into like a kind of a joker smile. So she has a mm-hmm. face that she always wanted to cover up with a mask and Marilyn Monroe becomes sort of the beauty that allows her to present herself on a daily basis and hide, you know, the hurt kind of child within. Um, so she's a really, you know, the kind of, you know, use a crude term, like a very fucked up individual. She's dealing with a lot mm. of things throughout. And she meets Jake first as kind of his mentor to bring him into the organization. Mm. But, and when you could make an argument how much she really loves him, how, you know, how real the relationship is. I like to think a lot of it actually is real and she's just torn between these two worlds. I think she genuinely finds a connection with him that she's never had with anybody else because she sees an innocence in him that she wishes she could almost go back to. I understand where she's coming from because mm-hmm. all my life I wanted to cover my face with a mask. And I still really? do. Yeah. I was, my sister was beautiful. She was mm-hmm. in Broadway show. She danced with Gregory Hines, believe it or not. Oh, wow. She wow, was, wow. She was outrageous. And mm-hmm. the horrible person she was married to the second time sort of took it all away from her, and that and a mm-hmm. lot more. So mm-hmm. I was always the very fat, ugly thing. I'm skinny now. I weigh 105 mm-hmm. pounds, people. And yeah, yeah. I was just different. And she once mm-hmm. said something, I won't say what, out loud, and I said, explains why I'm smarter than you. It explains mm-hmm. it all, because it was an incident uh-huh, horrible. Right. So I understand that, you know, you don't feel like if people make you feel like that, and sometimes you don't get over it so fast. So Yeah, I mean, what the – can I just add one thing? You know, really what – how Gabriel, you know, grows his organization is he finds these lost souls. And much like a cult, you know, he becomes their savior. So for for Marilyn – to give her a mask to, you know, make her in, you know, her eyes presentable again. And also they have mm. like a romantic relationship too. So he's you kind mm. of grooming her. And, um, you know, those are the people he, he seeks. He seeks the lost and the, you know, depraved and, you know, the confused and just any, any, anybody who's looking for guidance, he, he will swoop in. I could see you choosing a character in a, in a fairy tale like Maleficent, 
or the Queen of Snow mm-hmm. White, who was evil. That would be me. Mm-hmm. That was seriously. Oh, yeah. She was gorgeous, okay. the Queen, and she was evil. My favorite character in the whole world. <laughs> so why oh, would okay. someone, what would drive someone, I mean, I know the guy wanted a liver, but what is the, pow- mm-hmm. the power of the card? Because it's not exactly yeah. the easiest thing. So why would someone want to get the card, have the power of the card, and how do they use it for how they want? Because not everybody right. uses so, things for like they're supposed to. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, the word power is really important. I think, you know, when you're dealing with massively, mm-hmm. massively wealthy people, money is like money almost becomes not as important. It's the power that their money can hold that really, like, mm-hmm. is drives them. Um, so the card is an element of that power, the power to be able to get anything you want at any time and, you know, alleviate maybe, like, boredom or whatever it is. You know, again, it's a lot of these people who've been given everything their entire life. You know, what's next? Mm-hmm. And what's next tends to get more depraved and depraved. So, you know, the organization really makes its the most amount of money as a hitman operation. You know, the the ultimate sort of power is, you know, to, to you know, take somebody's life, basically. So mm. the people who really contact them, you know, beyond just getting, like, this diamond or the most expensive cigars or, you know, like, those kind mm-hmm. of things, which is how the organization really began. It began, you know, seeking, you know, those elusive items um, and then morphed into this sort of, you know, tentacled creature that really is just on a war path to destroy whatever the money is, whatever the money wants to destroy. That's good. But some people, no matter how much they have, they never think they have enough. They always want yeah. more. Yeah, absolutely, and I I think the books deal with that a lot, you know, especially the Gable character, like, you know, we we learn about him a lot more in the fourth book, in Vicious Ripples, and then we really learn about him in the fifth book, which is more through his eyes, so we really get a sense of, like, why he's doing this, and what, you know, what has driven him to become almost this, like, devil on earth, um, and, I mean, there's people like that that really get their pleasure from people's misery. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's yeah. He's one of them. And that's his, that's how he, you know, again, not, not to use a crude term, but, like, that's how he gets off, basically, is people's misery and tears and sacrifice and, you know, all of these things, you know. So the, the fifth book, you know, like I said, it moves into, like, a more supernatural and it really kind of, has a more philosophical bent where it brings in the devil and the idea of the devil, you know, as a part of our world and that, you know, it does exist in people um, Mm -hmm. and explores sort of that relationship um, that Gable has with this other sort of entity almost. And if that is what drives him to do the terrible things he does. Yeah, he has a double personality, if not even more. So who is yeah, Jack the I mean, Nose? Yeah, they all are. Yeah, he yeah, does. He's they, like he's almost like bipolar, sort of. Yes. Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, Marilyn, I think is a hundred percent bipolar. Again, it's nineteen seventy-eight. Yeah. She's not diagnosed. They weren't really diagnosing bipolarism then. Um, but much like the real Marilyn Monroe, again, was mm-hmm. these shifting dual personalities that were taking over. Mm-hmm. You know, Orma Jean and and the Marilyn. Um, and she's sad. She's 
even though she does some bad things, I feel, she's a character that you root for, and we'll meet her again. Mm-hmm. So she does come back in some form in a later book. Um, you know, all all the main characters in 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 each book reappear in some way, um, and that was a fun thing to write people in different stages of their life as well. We meet Marilyn as a young girl, and we don't meet her again until she's quite old. Um, there's a whole lifetime of backstory that kind of exists for her mind. So tell us about his father, his work ethics from Jake's, and tell us more about Emil. Sure. So, um, yeah, you know, Jake, again, he lives in Hell's Kitchen. His dad mm-hmm. is a livery driver and a garbage man, you know, just trying to make ends meet. And, you know, unfortunately the family um, has another son, Emil, who's just very, very sick. He, you know, has sort of a mix mm-hmm. of cerebral palsy. He can't really speak. He's quite mute. Um, and these other sort of, you know, internal things that doctors aren't even trying to, they're not even able to figure out what's going wrong. You really can't digest food very well. Mm. Um, so they're at the mercy to hospitals and doctors and the bills are so high. So the dad works two, sometimes three jobs just to, you know, help out a meal. And the mom, you know, she's an Irish immigrant. She's devoted her life to kind of taking care of him. So Jake kind of sees himself as a way to, you know, help in a sense. And him getting a regular job isn't going to put enough money on the table. So it's only these unsavory things that he could do that really would possibly give, you know, a meal a fighting chance. Um, That's why he does what he does. Before I forget, believe it or not, I'm going to be on again tomorrow, people. Dead in the alley. And no, Monday, the number one foremost authority in reading, my professor, Dr. George Cavuto, and guess who, me, we're going to have a discussion about how young children acquire language, reading programs that work, some that don't, decoding what happens when somebody decodes a word and doesn't understand anything, and a whole lot more. That's my field, and I can't wait. And I have to read my notes, so I'll be ready. On the 6th, The Perfect Brother. On the 10th, I hope it happens. Dick Belsky is supposed to be where it is in the news. On the 12th, Stephen Manchester, Dad, and a whole lot more. But this is very exciting. On October 19th, one of the number one cardiologists in the world, Christina Laporte, will be there with her scary book, Dissection. Would you like to receive a note that says your heart attack will happen in one hour? And when it does, wait till you see what happens in the rest. It's scary, but it's good. Mm. So, huh, good. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah, yeah no, I, I didn't expect to get an interview with her, but yeah, that, mm. that and mm. a whole lot more. <laughs> what can I say? Cool, cool. Um, yeah, it is cool. And I, I'm excited because uh, DP is coming on in December for Tally Man. He's my mm-hmm. last mm-hmm. one for 2022. Nothing oh, new. Nice. No, yeah, ending it with, with, with DP Lyle, yeah. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. when a client makes a wish, how do you how did you decide what their wish is? Mm-hmm. How did you decide what they request and just how much does it cost to get a wish? Because I have a few. You have a few. Yeah. Um yeah, I mean the <laughs> wish is definitely the the price definitely depends on the wish. So the you know, more difficult a wish to attain, the higher the price. 
Um, and yeah, I mean, the series mm-hmm. really began with the character Harrison um, trying to get a liver off the black market. I was talking with a friend of mine who was a doctor at the time, um, and we just started talking about livers, and I had no idea how difficult it was to get a liver transplant, nor did I really know mm-hmm. a lot about livers and that they regenerate and just sort of all of these things. And I kind of just said it offhand. I was like, well, what if somebody tried a different means to get it? And then that whole book kind of started to download. Like, what if this person, again, who's had everything in his life and has sort of abused his body, which is why he needs a liver, um, then wants it and will stop at nothing to get it? Um, and, you know, it sort of circumv- sort of finds the desire card um, through kind of a, you know, an an offshore way and um then once they well i don't, I don't want to give too much away but it's you know no, don't give it, it away because there are people listening it yeah it doesn't work out exactly the way he planned it and when it doesn't work mm-hmm. out the way he planned it like a lot of things in this desire card universe he gets in that much more on over under over his head um you know i mean that's all good thrillers is you know where things devolve even worse for a character and then you try to get them out of the jam that they're in um so yeah that's that's for harrison and he grows in that book and he also comes back in in some other books yeah i mean he's in vicious ripples briefly yeah he has like a like a few cameos in that one that's it yeah he's not in the last book now his wife is helene has a big part in the last book well, I got mad at Gable in the next one because his granddaughter was kidnapped. I got really upset with him. Of course, what happened yeah. when he when he sends somebody that was upsetting too. But I want to smack mm-hmm. him in the head. This is your granddaughter. You don't do that. One won't tell right. a lot, but you got to read it, people. That's just my hint to read it. What can I say? Sure. So, oh, by but the I way, pretty pretty of... much, oh. I will be coming out with a two two twenty two just reviews best books of the year hopefully in November, and I will bring it out in December. I have to start thinking of what I think. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) so the desire card jobs are unique, and some are something else. What happens when Jake has to decide what side he's on? How does he decide it, and will he get out of this mess? I like Jake. Yeah, I mean, he really... You know, the the whole idea of a moral origin is when the acts become so immoral that, you know, Jake mm-hmm. starts to put his foot down. So, you know, he starts to devolve more and more from, you know, obviously being a thief, um, ultimately to a murderer. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think that's kind of when the, the switch goes off in his brain. Um, but he's also so enamored and seduced by not only Marilyn, but Gable as well. Gable becomes sort of mm-hmm. a pseudo-father for him. And the father that yeah. he always kind of wants, rich, successful, powerful, you know, not coming home thinking of garbage and, you know, just always miserable because he has to work three jobs. So he really becomes seduced by this rich world that he's brought into, and it makes it very easy to kind of not look at how immoral he's become um, until, you know, the mirror starts revealing a a person that he really doesn't like. And that's when he tries to kind of get out of it. Um, And, you know, it's tough because 
I, I feel like you root for Jake a lot, um, mm-hmm. but you always kind of know he's a little bit doomed. That no matter what, is he really ever going to be able to get out of this organization? Does anybody mm-hmm. ever get out of this organization? Um, you, you know, so you kind of are, are forced to um, watch the car wreck that happens of a lot of these characters, especially Jake. I mean, I think he has one of the most car wrecks <laughs> of, of all the characters. Yeah, him and Harrison, definitely. I'm just wondering, this is off the top of my head, whatever. You know something? It's funny because I was wondering, teens or young adults or something, I wonder if they would be try to get into something like this or sucked into it if they thought it was going to make them powerful or get what they want. That's what's really scary. Yeah, if there was think, really such a thing as this, yeah, that somebody, kids would actually try to do that because they're not thinking, well, how am I going to get a lot totally. of money? This is great. Yeah, I mean, I think I was telling you before that the new book that I just finished that's out on submission is a book about cults. Yeah. So I've been researching cults for you know, a very, very long time, like heavy research into cults. And the desire card is a cult in and of itself. I mean, a lot of things are, yeah. are, are cults. So, I, you know, they prey on the weak. They get you when you're at your lowest, and they build you up and knock you down and build you up and knock you down. And, yeah, I mean, I think – I don't think there's really any teens in the Desire Card universe that I wrote. Well, actually, that's not yeah. true. The granddaughter really becomes involved in it, especially in the fifth book, um, where she becomes a part of the organization. She's kidnapped, and she really has no choice. But, yeah, I know. Um, so, yeah, in the fifth book, she she – kind of starts showing her evil side a, a little bit. Um, so, yeah, I mean, she gets involved in the organization. She's kidnapped when she's nine and from the ages of nine to 16, which is really when the fifth book takes place, we see mm. her becoming um, like really Gable's number two in the organization. Mm. And, you know, the, he uses her because she's like an innocent, sweet-looking little girl with bangs mm-hmm. so yeah, he's he's quite you know kind of happy that he has somebody that he could trot out that nobody will know to, nobody will know has like a knife behind their back I like people like that really good <laughs> that's, what, that's what makes this great so this is about power greed mm-hmm. and the ability to get things hmm. kill people mm-hmm. if they get in the way that's good for sport and more, and the wishes. Okay, so this is what happens. This is what I think it's about. There's about a lot more deceptions, betrayals, and yeah. don't trust anybody. So mm-hmm. there are two characters we didn't talk about because we know that if they dare to upset Gable or they cheat on him with another guy, oh, well. So tell us about Olivia. He was very powerful in this one. Mm. And mm-hmm. Catherine Hepburn, who I love. My mother yeah. loved her. With Spencer Tracy. Uh, yeah. Oh, my God. She loved them. So how, how come... Oh, poor Catherine. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't turn out well for her either. Um, so, yeah, I mean, in then thinking about the Desire Card and just beyond its, you know, core organization, the one that exists mm. in America, Cable Runs, um, I wanted it to be bigger and to be global. So there's the mm. character Florence Olivier who runs basically their European office. And he and Gable started the card together. 
when they first started it, it really was um, a business to get really expensive wine, and that was it. You know, they were both owning files, and mm. um, they had this idea, you know, what would you do if you weren't able to get, you know, this is well prior to the Internet, so we're in the early 70s. Um, what, how, you know, how far would you go to get that desired bottle of wine? And so mm-hmm. Lawrence Olivier started the organization not from a really bad place. Like it really was, you know, a way for very wealthy people to spend a lot more money to get objects they desired. And it was Gable that took it in sort of this dark direction. That being said, mm-hmm. Lawrence Olivier is, you know, equally as culpable. Um, you know, he has done a lot of unsavory things. But at his core, he really wants to keep the the organization, I think, on paper looking as great as possible that they're really like you know an elite organization there for the elite of society um and once he starts crossing gable um mm. again that never works out well for anybody and um you know gable has this site set on possibly getting rid of Lawrence olivier and who basically is his number two who is his um i don't know what they are lovers you know Mm. Catherine Hepper as well. Um, so, yeah, that, that's how they get involved in the organization. And, yeah, one of my favorite parts is her, spoiler, but her her death scene, which kind of ends the 70s. Yeah. It's New Year's party in the 70s. And her death scene is sort of the first really terrible thing that Jake sees. And then the 80s start. So it's like he's fully lost his innocence by the time the 70s ends. And Catherine Hepburn is sort of the the impetus of that. Well, the sad part is is that if you upset Cable, you better go hide somewhere because he's going to find you. He'll so find what? you, yeah, exactly, yeah. I mean, I think for a lot of them, too, like especially somebody like Lawrence Olivier, you know. Yeah, I like Lawrence Olivier. Like he, he's just, he's like done, you know, he's, he's devoted his life to this organization. It's a horrible organization. Mm. He knows he's going to hell. So it's almost like he, he calls death upon himself. Um, but he doesn't, no, he doesn't, now I forget if he dies in the first book. I don't remember. No, he does not. He survives the first book. Yeah. He comes back in book four. Oh, that's good because that would be sad if he wasn't there. Well, he is there in book four. So, yeah, and he brings like that regal presence that Lawrence Olivier, you know, yeah, I know. exuded. It's it's scary. So Jake gets a surprise at the end. How did how did you create the ending without giving it away? And the guy and the guy yeah. that I felt bad for was was the guy that he sends in the next book. I won't say who to find the granddaughter. Poor guy. Oh well, too bad. Oh um, yeah, so, the JD character. Yeah. He's the main character in book two. JD JD is the main character in in book. He's yeah. the one of the organizations that, that leaves. I felt so bad. Yeah, JD. So how a good did you character. create the ending, and how did you tie it all together? Yeah. So without giving away the spoiler of the ending, um, yeah, I've never, I've I've never ended a book in that way. Um, it definitely mm-hmm. ends with a big kind of twist that I heard from readers some kind of foresee and some don't and some readers were very mad at it they really didn't like how it ended it was um mm-hmm. a very upsetting to them um which i always like to hear so that's like a good thing to me um yeah it was 
I knew from the start the ending, so that made it sort of easy that the book has like a bookend with the first and the last scene and continues. So I always knew how it was going to end and, you know, the, the, the people who would be involved. Um, but it was hard to write because I really liked Jake. He, he mm. you know, I grew up in New York City and it was very fun. I was born in 1978 when the book takes place. It was very fun to go back to that time and kind of see New York, you know, when I was too little to actually see it. And, you know, he's he's like a real like New Yorker, you know, which doesn't quite exist anymore. So the accent and, and everything. So I, I have I have a real affinity for Jake. So it was it's very hard to write when things don't turn out well for him. Yeah, he's a character I like a lot. I forgot when I was born because I don't really know. No, I really don't. No, it's the truth. I have, that's part of what my sister said. So I'm going yeah. on Ancestry.com to get the truth about the date I was born. Oh, and really? Yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm younger. I won't say how much, and I won't even tell you what number I am because I forgot. And, mm. yeah, and when people remind me, I hang up on them. Because I don't look that old. And when they tell you, you know yeah. what, I go stick a sock in it because I don't want to hear it. Um, yeah, age so, is Well, you know what it is? You tell, you're talking to a person on the phone. This gets me really annoyed. I would love somebody in the desired card to get killed because of this. And you, they ask you your date of birth, and I purposely tell them the wrong one. Then I tell them I forgot. And then they talk to you like you're an idiot. And yeah, if, you're over, yeah. if you're over 25, they think you're, you're out to lunch. And that's when they say to me, well, you know, you don't work. I go, yeah, but I, you know, host a syndicated radio show. I'm one of the top book reviewers in the world, and I'm writing my yeah. next book, so stick a sock in it. And yeah, I'm writing yeah. something really, And I'm writing something really weird. I ditched what I was writing, and I changed it, but I don't even know. Okay, I have to sit nice, down and read nice. some more. So what what is next for you, and when is it coming out? And where can everybody learn mm-hmm. about just not the desire card? I like the YA series. I was sorry there wasn't another Thank one. You. Yeah, so the cool, kind of cool thing about the YA series is it's in a very early stage of development as a TV show. Yeah. Um, so I'm writing the pilot, and we have an actress, um, a oh, really nice. great actress um, from a CBS show who's attached. Um, so we're hoping to finish the pilot very soon. It's, it's in this last little edit, um, and then it's up to... Um, the actress and her team to you know really sell it. Um, so hopefully that happens, knock on wood. And it would follow all three books. So it would be ideally like a three-season series that would be on a streamer. And however I would be connected um, is how I'll be connected to it. Um, hopefully more than usual. You know, so far they've let me write the pilot, which is very rare. Usually they just mm-hmm. option and that's it. That's so great. I, I do feel like. Yeah, I do feel like I'm a part of this series, and the pilot is really good. I'm very proud of it. We've been through about ten drafts, so um, it's it's it's. I feel like it's it's ready. Um, so that's something I'm working on. Um, and then my first book, um, I don't know if you've ever if you read it, Fran. Um, my debut novel, Slow Down, which came out in 2015. No, as a matter um, of fact, I asked because you were doing something with. That's how they. That's how I got hooked to Isabella Blackthorn. Mm-hmm. Blackberry Toys, they oh, won't let me go. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I, yes, I, I asked for Slow Down, but I got um, I got your other one, Vicious Ripples, from them. They made sure I got okay. it. And then they, and this is really weird because they only have PDFs or digital. 
or ebook mm-hmm. or epub, mm-hmm. and they know I won't do it. And I got an email yeah. yesterday, and I said, they said we want you in this tour. I go, that's nice because I'm not doing it. And they said, don't worry, the author's going to mail you a copy. I was hilarious. It was hilarious. Mm-hmm, they know mm-hmm. I'm not going to do it, and I'll turn it down. Right. And then they go, no, we convinced the author to send you one. And go, so that's how I came involved because of you, because you were on it mm-hmm. with Orange City. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, yes. So yeah, so my first, my first novel, Slow Down. Um, yes. I I've written it as a script as well, and I have a director attached, and we're gonna truly try to make the movie together. So we'll both be producers on the project. Um, and we're getting the pitch deck finalized, and that's going out soon, too. So really excited about that. And then um, my cult novel, I told you my agent just sent it out on submission to editors last week, so we shall see what happens. But it's called uh, Join Us, and it's set in a cult in the Ozarks that may have settled in the area because the area has certain powers that they've sought for generations. Um, it's a very creepy, very weird, very David Lynchian mm. kind of um, surreal type book series. And I've written the first two books already. They're like door stoppers. They're like 600 pages. Um, so I hope, oh, I really hope you find, yeah, I've been working on them for a very, very long time. I really hope you find a good audience. So send out some good energy. You'll get it. If you write the font that's large, I can read it. <laughs> I can. I've been getting yeah. books with fonts. I have to, you know, like a little magnifying glass. Really? So where could everybody find out about everything? Yeah. So the easiest is just my my website, leemathiegoldberg dot com, and that'll lead you to you know like all my socials and things like that. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you very much. Thanks and, so much, um, Fran. I have to ask this question because I, you know, mm-hmm. um, I'm doing something on November sixteenth, but I don't know if it fits into your thing. Uh, guess mm-hmm. who? My two favorite people, Charles Soldberg, besides mm-hmm. you, of course, and wow. Vincent Sandry, and Jeff Bond. Oh, Ben. We're gonna. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love Jeff. He's so nice. I I, I conned him into this one. <laughs> uh, we're gonna yeah. talk about true crime and crime. In and out. Okay. Yeah. So is that your thing? Because um, yeah, I sure. asked several other people, and they said that they don't write true crime, but it doesn't matter as long as you write crime. And it's bad. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's fine. what so I, would I can say. include yeah, I mean, you. A lot of my books have crime elements, and Vince is a good friend of mine, so I'd be a pleasure to do it with him. Vince, Vince is fun, and they conned me last Thursday. He was doing oh, one yeah. with uh, Marsha Casper Cook. Oh, she's great. Mm-hmm. On a good story is a good story, and he was. They were talking about writing, and they conned me into doing something to ask questions about my writing and how I can get help from both of that from him. So they oh did. yeah. Nice. I got yeah I got I got I got that was interesting though he's great so he's going to help me with ideas for the one I'm writing if I ever sit down to do it so thank you very okay. much and I will sure. add you to the to the 16th and send you some talking points and okay. if you have Same any specific 10, talking 10 points about crime that you want to include just private message me okay. them and I'll read it and I'll send you sure. the whole thing it's on November 16th at 10 so you're the number fourth person okay, okay yeah, everybody. That works great. Have a great day. It's beautiful outside. And say something nice to somebody. Smile. Thanks, Lee. Everybody have a great day. And bye. Thanks so much, Fran. Take care, all.